Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Akim Mlaisho, coming from Africa, Zambia. Uh, the first question I would like to ask is, can you understand my accent? Are you able to get me? That's good. <laughs> you are so beautiful, church, because where I'm coming from, they struggle with me. So uh, we'll praise God and also we'll thank God. Uh, if you will not understand, I'll pray that God will give you much grace so that you can understand what we're about to say. Uh, I don't know how much time I have. I wanted to share my testimony with you, and then I preach. How is that? It's good. Okay. So, uh, as I said, I'm from Africa, Zambia. Uh, I grew up in the village. Uh, I don't know how I, ex I, can, I can explain a village here. Africa is different from states. It's different. Everything. The roads, uh, the food, uh, the way we dress, it's different. And my brother here, Zach, has been to Africa. He visited us and he visited all the work, the church. He has ate our food. And I wish uh, we had uh, a projector where I can show the food that we eat. Uh, some of the food we didn't eat because he was not comfortable with it. Uh, but when you come, we we'll try to make sure you taste everything. So growing up in the bush, it was a challenge. By bush, I'm not saying a bush like it is in the jungle for your understanding. Uh, when you ask me about Zambia or Africa, there are people who stay in what we call cities or town, who works in mines, and there are some of us who are coming from the jungle. So that's where I'm coming from. I know how to live in the bush. I know how to eat, survive from the trees. I know which tree to eat from or which root to eat, that's me. If you ask me about snakes and lions, that's my area. We, we, we survived by chasing animals and eating them. That's, that's where I'm coming from. So I am the real African person you are watching right now. So if you have any question, I would rather answer them. But... Uh, my dad has two wives, had by that time. And he had my mom, and he married another woman with other uh, siblings. Uh, that means he brought that woman at our village uh, with four stepbrothers. So now the problem was he was not providing, he was not loving. We didn't have like the father-son moment. Uh, we are eight in my family. I am the fourth born. So in that family, I used to go to school from that place, walking two hours to the school, and walking, come back two hours. From grade one up to grade seven, I had no shoes. And eighth grade, grade eight, that's when uh, the school bought the first shoe. Then to wear those shoes, it was hard for me because I was used to walk. And you know, in Africa, it's not like here. It is hot, it is very hot. The temperature is very high, like right now. So when I came here, I feel like coming from the high temperature and 
Right now I'm feeling like I'm in the fridge or you are, <laughs> you are freezing me now. So someone was saying, oh, the, the, the weather is beautiful now. To me, this is cold. So this is not good. This is not. <laughs> so it is hot in Africa. So growing up in that family, it was so hard. Uh, we could go for two or three days without food. Uh, we can survive. We used to survive on just wild fruits. And grade eight, I was almost kicked out of school because we had, money, we had no money to pay for school fees. But my, 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 my school, the head teacher, saw me when I was playing soccer. And he said, we are going to give you a scholarship. You'll be playing soccer, playing soccer, and uh, we'll be paying for your school fees. So I was given a scholarship. That caused me to finish up to 12th grade. And the whole family, my family, no one has finished school because we were so poor. And I was so much privileged. I think it was just God who allowed me to finish the school, to finish school. So when I finished the school, I was 19 years old. Because we are going from school to school to play with other schools, uh, that's when I was spotted by other teams, uh, the national team. They called us to go there. More than 500 people uh, were called so that they can pick the national team to play soccer in the professional field. So I was among those who were picked. And that was a jackpot for me. You know, soccer in Africa is very big. And our aim is just to make money. You go to Europe and you make money and I come back and help my family, especially my mom who I loved so much. Uh, so I went back on Friday to the village where I used to stay. And I, 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 I told the news about how God has opened doors for me and everyone was happy with me. And my family was happy, especially mom, who was suffering a lot. So Saturday, I washed my clothes. Then Sunday, I went to attend this church. There was a little church near our place where the missionary once used to come on Sunday just to preach there. Uh, he was from States. His name is Timothy Sivet. He came to preach there. And I was on my way to go to town to play soccer. So I took my bag. Everything was packed. The reason I went to that church was just to ask a ride so that it can give me a lift to go to town where I was given a contract. But little did I know that God will use that message to save me. So when I went there, I was sitting just like the way you are sitting. I had to hide my bag behind so that no one can see it because that vehicle was the only vehicle that used to come to our place because it is very, very remote. And the only vehicle we used to, 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 to see was a missionary's vehicle. So he was preaching and I was sitting, was preaching about how young people uh, try to achieve many things, make money and be firm, be rich, and how they miss the whole thing of life. Then when I was sitting listening to what he was saying, I was upset with him at first. 
because I was thinking someone has told him about me and where I'm going. Then he wanted to discourage me. So that was my thinking. But the Holy Spirit was convicting me through that message uh, because he started preaching about how we are all sinners and how Jesus loves us and how our righteousness are like filthy rags. Because to me, I was thinking I was right and I was so much obedient to my mom, to especially because she was most of the time crying. Dad wasn't loving. He was very much abusive. And to me, I wanted to make her happy. So I was so, so obedient to mom. And to me, I was thinking, I was a Christian by doing that. And if you are in sport and any sport, discipline is the key. So I was so much disciplined to my career, I wanted to achieve more. So I was thinking I was a Christian. But when I heard the message, the Holy Spirit convicted me. But the message that stood out to me was when he read the passage of Matthew chapter 16, verses 26, where the Bible says, What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Where I was seated, I felt, you know, I was missing something. The Holy Spirit just convicted me that I was a sinner. Because my mind was to get rich and help my mom and my siblings. Little did I know that the Holy Spirit was working with my heart to show me how sinful I was and how I was missing something in my life. Then after I went through the Romans, Romans road that we are all sinners and God has given us the gift of life through Jesus Christ, and if you come to Christ today, he will give you life. Then just during invitation, I came forward. I find myself crying before this man, and he had to ask me, why are you crying? I said, I am a sinner. I need to know how can I be saved. Then he took me out. He showed me from the Bible how I can be saved. Then he prayed for me. Then he said, pray for yourself and ask Christ to save you. Then I prayed, I asked Christ to save my soul. From that time up to today, I am a believer. And what happened, it was a shift that also shocked me because I felt this peace and the joy that I never felt before. To go where I was given a contract, I didn't go. I turned around, I went back home, which at first I lied to my mom that I'm not feeling well, but she didn't know what was in my heart. The following day, she came to check on me. Then I said, Mom, I've decided to follow Jesus Christ. I'm not going anywhere. She was not happy with me because that was the only hope we had in a village. That was the only way out. So she couldn't talk to me like three days and my brothers thought I was mad or something is wrong with me. Uh, my friend said, no, in Africa, someone has, you know, cursed him or bewitched him. We had no cell phones by that time. You can't communicate. 
and my spot was already given to someone. So life was hard because everyone was laughing at me, but although people were laughing at me, I knew that God has saved me. And that was well with me to save the Lord. Right now, I'm saving the Lord. Starting from that time up to today, I've never regretted saving the Lord. And the Lord has been faithful to me. I started ministering in my uh, mother's village house. My young sister got saved. Uh, my young brother got saved. He's the pastor. He's pastoring there. And two other brothers got saved. But others are still not saved. So I'll ask you to pray together with me so that God will meet with them at their point of need so that they can also come to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord is doing a lot of work in Africa, especially in Zambia where we are. The same church where I got saved, the little church, that's where I'm pastoring right now. I'm still the pastor of that church. The missionary left the field. He came here. That's when uh, Bonhaus David came to Africa, started discipling me, and he sent me to school to learn. Now we have started a lot of churches there. We have 18 churches around that area in the bush part where we are training now men. And also we have like 30 men who consistently come to be trained so that they can go and preach the gospel to other people. We have also from our church sent other four men who have gone in the northern part of Zambia, near Congo, Tanzania, where we have also four churches there. There is Fraser, who was the Sunday school teacher, who was trained by me. We send him there. We have four churches there. So my coming here is just to maybe update you and thank you for the support you have been sending to Zambia. Uh, some of you, it might discourage you because sometimes people, when they don't see the fruit, they are more discouraged. But I came to assure you that thank you for supporting the missionaries. Because had it been not that missionary to come to that village, I would have not been here and I would have not been saved. So thank God for churches like this. Doesn't mean you have a lot, but because you are obeying God by giving to missionaries, and the missionaries are preaching, then you can see the product like me. Also, our prayer is that our nationals, we have this motto, if I were to show the video, National Zambian Reaching Nationals. Because we can't leave this work to the missionaries alone. We are also saved. We are part of believers. We are commanded also to go away and reach other people for Christ. We know the language. We are Christians. We know the gospel. And we can share it more effectively. We know where to know or where to go. We know the roads. We are built that way. And we can speak well the language the people speaks more than missionaries. I'm not saying stop supporting missionaries. I'm saying since we are saved now, we know the Lord. 
We can't just relax and say, we have missionary. No. We have also other people we are training to reach other Africans for Christ. So it is our prayer that we thank you for the job that you are doing in supporting the work. Please continue. May you know that your work in the Lord is not in vain. God will reward you heavily in heaven. Thank you so much. Do, do I still have time to preach? Okay. So I don't want to spend the whole time here so that you don't invite me again. Uh, let, let, let's, let's go quickly. One passage I want to share with you. I love this passage. It's so quick, so simple. Uh, John chapter 9. It's John chapter 9. You have been reading many of you many times upon this passage. Uh, I've entitled the message, The Preciousness of Time. The Preciousness of Time. Uh, or the, valuable, the, the, value, the valuableness of time and the importance of redeeming it. Why? Time is valuable. Why should we redeem time? Because we have work to do. Time is more like a commodity. It is precious. Once you squander time, you will never replace it. So how can we live in this world where time is so much, especially in American culture, time is so important. When you keep time, you achieve a lot of things. When you don't keep time, you'll be fired and you will not be considered to be a person who can work with people because you don't value time. Time is so important. Even Jesus Christ said the hour has come. So, John chapter 9, read with me, verses 1 through 4. Verses 1 through 4, I commence the reading. As Jesus, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sin, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifested in him. Verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night comes when no man can work. Shall we pray? Dear Heaven Father, we are so grateful for this wonderful time that you have given unto us to look unto your word. May you speak to us, O Lord. May you use this time to steer our hearts. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for thinking of us, even taking our place. We were supposed to die forever in hell. But you took it upon yourself to come and paid, and paid it all, and paid it in full. So that you said it is finished and done. Help us to be teachable, 
and help our hearts to be receptive to your word and bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So three things I'm going to say about this passage, verse 4. But before I go to verse 4, I want to talk something about verse 1. Verse 1, the Bible reads, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man born, a man which was blind from his birth. This was a blind person. The perception or the way they saw this man, the disciples thought someone sinned because there is no way this man can be born without eyes. Because God is so good. How can someone be born with this handicap? If you had any physical challenge by those days, they, in their culture, like here they said, who sinned? Because they believed that someone did something wrong for this guy to be born like this. Then they were shocked by Jesus answering to this guy. Said, no, none of them sinned, neither him or his parents. But he was born that the work of God must be seen, must be revealed, must be manifested in this guy. Maybe I can say something there. We are born for a purpose. And we are here for a purpose. No matter how much we are, God knew us. And from whatever place or culture or continent we are born, we had no control. This man had no control so that he can be born blindness. It is God who saw it fit that he has to be born like that. It was God. You had no choice to be born here in America. No one chose to be born like that. You have no idea you are going to be born here. We don't choose our parents. We are just find ourselves to have whoever is our parents. For that, we praise God. I had no choice to be born in Africa. Therefore, I had no control. And in whatever capacity, if I have the big head, I have no control. If I have a small leg, I have no control. Therefore, in whatever state we are, we have to learn to thank God because he saw it fit to be born like that. Let us not make things the way it is not supposed to be. Like the disciples, they were bringing all these issues. No, he sinned. His parents sinned. Then Jesus said, no, stop that. It is not like that. He was born for a reason. So brethren, for me to be born in the village and in Africa, I was born for a reason. To be a minister just there, in the bush, to preach to my people, to preach to the people I know, so that the same gospel I, I, I received, I can also give it to the people. In the same way I received it. You were also born for a reason. There is no one here 
was born by accident or we didn't know, or it just happened. No, we are all special in the eyes of the Lord. We, the Bible says, wonderfully and fearfully made in the eyes of the Lord. So we are special. Verse 4, Jesus is saying three things here. The first thing, the assignment, the work. Jesus is saying in verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. So Jesus was on the mission. And this mission is to do the work of him who sent him. And what is that work? That's what we want to know. Jesus said, I must work the work of him that sent me. If you know this must, it is a comparing word which says, whether you like it or not, you must. So Jesus is saying, I must do this. Because if I don't do this, something will happen. Let me finish that. I must do the work of salvation. He must finish that. Because if Jesus cannot do, no one is going to be saved. It is only salvation is depending upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. Not our work, not what we do, not what we say, but the only finished work of Jesus Christ. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2. We are saved by grace alone not of the works or what we can ever think of, but him alone, he came to do that. That's why he's saying, I must do this. We see Jesus Christ doing a lot of works. That's why he's saying, I must work the works, meaning there are many works that he was doing. Healing the people, doing all miracles, those were works. Ultimately, he died on the cross and he said, I have finished. What did he finish? The work that was given. He knew his work and he knew when he finished it. The good part about people who are normal, when you get employment, you have to know, what is my work here? If you know you'll be standing on the gate, you are a gate man, don't go in the office. So when you finish your work, just close the gate and go home. That's your work. When you finish, you know it is to close and go home. So Jesus came here knowing what he's going to do, and it is only him who can do it, no one else. If he don't do it, people are not going to be saved. So he knew he must do this work. Brethren, as much as we are saved, we serve a working God. Our God is a working God. From Genesis, God created everything that we see. And you know what he's doing now? He's keeping, he's sustaining everything that he created. He's the one who keeps you. He's the one who keeps me. He makes sure he provides. He makes sure he takes care of us until we are out of this work. God is a working God. 
And Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are his workmanship. So meaning, if you are a child of God, welcome to the club or the work. Maybe I've used the wrong word there. But welcome to the team of workers. If you are a child of God, you are given a responsibility. No one is here just to watch others do the work. If you are a believer, God said, Matthew chapter 28 verse 19, Go therefore, not only just a few, but all believers, go therefore and preach the gospel. Mark 16 verses 15, Go therefore, Luke 24, the same thing. Verses 46, go therefore. John chapter 20, verses 21. As the Father sent me, also I'm sending you. The same thing. Acts chapter 1, verses 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and there. He didn't say go and stay. He didn't just say when you are saved, enjoy the life. No. The life that God has given us, it shouldn't end on us. We should also be doing the work. If God is powerful, if God is omnipotent, if God is all-knowing, why the power of God giving us work to do? If he can do it, why giving us work to do? Maybe we are wondering about that. But let me give you the answer in John chapter 17. John chapter 17, Jesus Christ is saying this, verses 4. He's praying his priestly prayer and he's saying, I have glorified thee on earth. How did Jesus glorify the Father? I have what? Finished the work which thou gavest me to do. So God gave Jesus Christ work to do. And he, Jesus Christ, glorified his Father by finishing the work. Why giving us work to do? Brethren, it is a means by which we glorify our heaven father when we do the work. We are not saved by works. We work because we are saved. Why do we work? Because work will follow us where? To heaven. The things that we have acquired here on earth won't follow us. When we are doing our assignment, it is important we know that it is only the work that will follow you, the work that God has given you. Now, if you know the work, how far have you gone with that work that God has given you? Have you started? Have you done any part with that work? Firstly, do you know what God gave you to do? If you know, how far have you done that work? And remember, the message is about time. With every assignment, 
that you have been given to those who go to school, to college, there is also a time frame given to that assignment. So you can't do an assignment for five years or ten years or say, I'll finish it whenever I like it. No, you fail. When they give you an assignment in school, they will say, at this day, it is the due date. If you fail to bring your assignment, what is going to happen to you? You fail. You start losing marks. So that is my second point. Jesus is saying, I have work to do. One, he had an assignment. The second, we go back, chapter 9, verses 4. I must work the work of him that sent me. That is the assignment. The second point, while it is day. While it is day, it is standing for the time allocated to that assignment. While it is day. So Jesus is saying, I must do this work while it is day. Why is it saying while it is day? Because the last point is, night is coming when no man can work. While it is day, Jesus is saying, the lifetime I'm living, Jesus only lived for 33 years. We are above 33 years, most of us here. And Jesus knew his work, and he knew he had only this time to do that work. If he don't do that work, he won't glorify the Father. Because he only has limited time in which to do that work and to finish it well. That's why if we read in the Gospels, we find that Jesus most of the time was saying, my time is not yet. My time is not yet. When he was at the wedding feast, John chapter 2, verse 9, he said, my time is not yet. But there was one time he said, now is the time. And the time came when he knew this is the time. When he knew it is time, he started calling the disciples one by one. Immediately, they followed him because he was on time. He don't wanted to miss anything. And they were following him, no questioning, because it was time. Brethren, we have work to do. And this work, God has given us enough time because he's wise to do this work. And this time is the years that God has given us to live here on earth. The good part is we don't know how many years we have here on earth. So we must do that work and finish that work when we are living. Because my last point, the night comes. Death is coming and it is real. It is certain. No one will avoid it because it is through our disobedience when death comes. And it is coming to everyone. Brethren, it's better we know our work and know that there is this assignment given for you to do and it is depending upon you. Not just the pastor, not just the ushers, not just the deacon, each one of us here, starting from our homes, it begins with salvation. We have to be saved. 
And when we are saved, we become the child or the children of God. He gives us this work to do. Most of you here, you are parents and you have kids. And when you go out, automatically you leave some work for them to do. And you divide them. You do this, you do this, you do this. When you come back and you find them, they have done that. How do you feel as a parent? Very good. You say, I wish I had 10 of them if it was in Africa. Because they are so much good. They obey me and they do. And you, do, you know what? That's the same thing that what God does. If we do what he tells us to do. Remember he said this to Jesus Christ. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Why? Because he was doing the work that his father told him to do. The question is, what are you doing? Are we here just to kill time? Are we here to live for self or for things or for materials that will perish? We are not saying we start now, we stop working, we will die with hunger. We have to work. But even if we work, we have to know that there is a great assignment given to each one of you. Why is that important? Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Because we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will explain what happened with the life that God gave us. The last point is death has no time. Every time people are dying, I've been pastoring now for 20 years and I've buried many people. Sometimes you visit people in their deathbed in the hospital. The one thing they ask is, Pastor, pray for me so that when I go back home, I'll be more serious to the work of the Lord. When you leave them in the hospital, you go back home. Next morning you go there, they are no more. They are gone. Their prayer was just to have another day so that they can do one thing for the Lord. While we have this time, what are you doing for the Lord? We have work to do, and there is time given to do that work before death comes. Our God loves us so much. And it's because his love, he didn't tell us when we are going to die. Maybe we would have panicked. The best way is not to tell us. And we deceive ourselves thinking we live 150 years. That's what we think. And we keep on taking this, exercising, you know, drinking water. Yes, it is okay. But as much as we take care of ourselves, there is one ultimate who keeps our life, is God. When he said, come, no one will refuse. Everyone is going, no matter how much. It is just the matter of time. When the time comes, you answer the call. What are you going to tell your master? Please, do not come to the end of life 
without having anything to show to your Lord that this is what I lived for. May God help us. Thank you.